Welcome to the Nurse Becoming podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume RX, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth, all through the lens of nursing. Hey there, welcome back to the Nurse Becoming Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri, and whether this is your first time listening or maybe your 10th time listening, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Today, I am featuring an interview that I am super excited to share with you. I have featured some nurse experts in the past who, of course, I love sharing with you. But today, I'm doing something a little bit different and interviewing one of my former clients. And Mariah Ward is a new graduate nurse practitioner. And in this interview, Mariah and I talk about the specifics of their NP job search and kind of how they identified exactly what they wanted to do and made strategic actions to move towards that goal. So, you know, the reason why I wanted to feature this interview is because sometimes it can be so, so helpful to hear the real life examples and stories from people who are just one or two steps ahead of you in the process. So if you are an aspiring nurse practitioner or an up-and-coming graduate or even a recent graduate who's in the midst of the job search, I hope that you will take advantage of some of the nuggets in today's episode. It is really, really a great interview. So we are going to dive right in with my interview with Mariah Ward. I am here with Mariah Ward, who I'm very excited to feature today on the podcast. Mariah is someone who I've worked with uh, in kind of a mentorship uh, relationship over the past few months. And why I'm really excited to feature Mariah is because we worked a lot on figuring out exactly what Mariah was going to do in terms of their job search and Specifically, I think this is helpful for those who are interested in um, planning their job search because while I feature experts on the show, I tell you a lot of advice myself. I think that it can be so helpful to learn from someone who is just a step or two ahead of you. So, Mariah, welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your nursing background. My name is Mariah Ward. I am a board-certified family nurse practitioner that just graduated um, in early May. And so a little bit about uh, my background is that I grew up in the rural South, so first-generation college graduate, and nursing really, uh, I got into nursing to kind of uh, bridge that uh, disparity that I was facing where we didn't have a lot of income and my parents struggled to take care of four kids most of my life, and so nursing really helped put me um, financially in a good place. And so as I've continued through my nursing career, I have a passion for education um, and I've continued to pursue um, my graduate degree um, as a family nurse practitioner and I'm in the process of obtaining my doctorate degree as well. Um, And so I just got into nursing by chance. My mom pressured me into doing it all through high school and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do that. It's not really interesting. (laughs) I was a double major 
in English and history, and I just didn't have a passion for it. And when I thought about the long term, um, you know, how is this degree going to make me money? Because obviously, as somebody who grew up poor, that that's a priority. So it, I just knew it wasn't going to work. And I was like, well, I guess I'll let my mom have this one win. And I started applying for nursing school and got in and found found a really good passion there. And so obviously, I've spent the last six years now building that passion into my advanced practice degree um, and eventually my terminal degree in nursing. Nice. And so did you feel like you had, you know, after you became a nurse, did you have a particular moment when you decided to take things further and go into advanced practice? Was it kind of a, a natural progression or did you have kind of this one moment when you knew that you wanted more professionally? So I knew um, pretty much as soon as I started nursing school that I was going to get an um, advanced degree. wasn't confident in what um, field of nursing that I was going to do that in for a really long time. I thought that that was going to be in leadership and management, mostly because um, as a student, I didn't really understand that leadership takes on many, many roles and that you don't have to have a formal degree to be a leader. Um, and so, of course, that's developed as times went on. But I was actually, as a hospice nurse, about a year and a half in my um, career, and I had a lot of autonomy as a hospice nurse. I was able to kind of navigate treatment, and I got to be proactive. You know, I had a medicine. I could just treat the patient with it. Um, we called the physicians and the nurse practitioners um, and let them know the patient condition, but we really dictated what happens in those settings. And so it gave me a sense of autonomy that I didn't want to lose. And so I knew pretty early on that I was going to end up pursuing a degree that gave me the most autonomy. And so I felt like that was going to be the nurse practitioner degree. I know that CNS, um, like clinical nurse specialists, have some autonomy as well. But they're not really utilized here in North Carolina. And so ultimately, I knew that um, the nurse practitioner route was going to give me the most autonomy. And of course, that is rapidly changing in our current healthcare environment. And that continues to change. But I feel like nurse practitioners have a lot of autonomy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to continue to pursue this uh, and continue to maintain some sense of that. Nice. And how, if at all, did your RN career change or shift as you knew that that's what you wanted to do? Like, did you stay in that hospice role? Did you move into another position with any sort of strategy or intention behind it? Yeah. So I left um, right before I started um, my nurse practitioner degree, I left hospice. It wasn't a good environment for many reasons, but I don't feel like it fostered my growth, which is one of the main reasons I left. Um, and I pursued an opportunity in a more critical care, like acute care environment. Um, I worked on a progressive care unit for about a year before I took a charge nurse role where I was actively involved in creating um, with running rapid responses and code. And so it really challenged me to take more ownership over my practice as a nurse and it expanded my experience and my knowledge base of, of various conditions and treatments. And I think that the very beginning of my career, I started in oncology and then moved to hospice. I had a very narrow sense of practice. And so that really helped that transition into the progressive care role, gave me a variety of experience, a variety of types of patients that I was more likely to see in primary care versus the oncology and hospice, which are definitely more specialty care. Um, and so it allowed me to broaden one, just my understanding of certain disease processes, but it also helped me take on more formal and informal leadership roles, which weren't prevalent in my first two um, jobs. And so as I became an advanced practice nurse, I took more leadership roles, more formal leadership roles, especially. And so it helped me move forward in my degree in a way that 
I don't think I would have gotten in hospice or oncology just because, like I said, they're so narrow that they can, they have people who've been there really long time. Most of the time, those roles have more formal leadership. When you're on a large unit, and we're, I've worked on the largest unit at a large community hospital in the city, that we, you have to take some sense of informal leadership in order to really progress as a nurse and be successful on that unit. And so that was mm-hmm. really that I took from that. And do you feel like ultimately your leadership skills and experience versus what you were exposed to clinically, do you feel like one helped you more throughout school than the other? Um, I think more than likely the leadership let me be more successful in my nurse practitioner program. You think when you get into school, I thought when I got to nurse practitioner school that it was going to be a lot of clinical and um, didactic courses, but it, you know, it is those things, but there are lots of especially the school that I went to, there were lots of um, opportunities to take on leadership opportunities, you know, with group projects or, and they really wanted to cultivate that. And you know, they wanted you to understand your degree meant more than you just being a nurse practitioner, that it meant that you were a leader in healthcare fields and that you were an expert. And that, that kind of helped frame my, you know, my way of thinking in terms of my advanced practice degree um, and those leadership roles also eventually led me to decide to to pursue my doctorate degree just because um, I do want to be an expert in my field. I want to be, you know, have the terminal degree and those things are really important to me. Um, and so I know that the leadership took more of a role for me when I was pursuing my advanced practice degree and as I was deciding to pursue my doctorate degree. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's a question that I get asked often, you know, from prospective NPs who are considering applying to school. And, you know, a lot of times there seems to be this perception that a lot of weight is put on your clinical experiences and kind of the diversity of patients and um, diagnoses you've seen. And while that I think is very important, I think that you're right that the, the leadership experiences, whether formal or informal, can certainly help better frame the role that the advanced practice nurse plays in the entire kind of healthcare arena. Um, so I'm happy to, I'm happy to hear you acknowledge that because it's easy for me to, you know, acknowledge that with my hindsight being, you know, however many years ago, but with your hindsight being a little bit more recent, I'm glad to hear that you've, you've made that realization as well. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your nurse practitioner school experience in general, like give us some details in terms of, was this an in-person program? Was it online? Were you still able to work full-time? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I attended um, a brick-and-mortar school out in Norfolk called Old Dominion University. It's a great college. I would recommend it to anybody. It is a hybrid program, um, so you had weekly classes the first not the first year of the program, you had weekly classes. Over the summer, um, you began clinicals during that, after that first year. Um, of didactic courses. And then in the fall, you would pick back up having some weekly classes. They weren't every week, but they were, you would at least show up via Zoom um, to those. And then we had immersive clinical weekends where they partnered with the Eastern Virginia Medical School to bring us what they called standardized patients, which are people who were trained to basically give you a clinical scenario so that you can work through it. And those were great opportunities. And those were just to kind of help us navigate what we're missing during our clinical um, assessments, what we were missing during our diagnosis. And then we wrote those up. So those also kind of told us, well, you know, hey, you could have highlighted this and you missed this in your assessment. And so just to kind of help refine our skills. And so it was a good mix of things. Most of the learning was, 
you know, student-based, you obviously had to put the work in in order to get the degree, but we did have those courses that kind of help really refine our clinical skills. I think that the mo what I have to take from the in-person parts of my school, it was mostly really clinical focused, disease-focused learning, the disease and diagnosis, and how do you assess that? So our classes were mostly targeted towards clinical aspects. I was able to work full time. Would I recommend it? No, um, I worked I financially just could not not work. So I did work full time. I worked nights and weekends. And so when I was not at work, I was in clinical practice. As soon as I started clinicals, um, I was working Friday, Saturday, Sundays, and then I would be in clinical Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So pretty much every day was doing something. Um, and so that <laughs> I would, if you have the opportunity, I wouldn't recommend working full time. Uh, but that's something that I was fortunate enough to pursue. And I know that many of my classmates were not. So um, I'm very fortunate in that way. I understand that that's a hard balance, but um, I was able to to do that and make that work. Was the program considered full-time as well? Yeah, so it was definitely wow. a full-time program. Very intense. So we'd have classes mostly on Thursday. So, And then the didactic, because the didactic portion happened before the clinical portion, a lot of our very intense classes that required more studying were done before our clinical. So I was very fortunate that in that time, I spent most of the days that were off studying um, and then had to kind of navigate the balance um, as I got mm -hmm. to the summer, summer semester in until the program was finished to kind of complete those full-time courses. Mm -hmm. It sounds like, you know, time management was probably a huge challenge for you, especially because you were working full time, um, which I would also agree, like if you have the privilege not to have to work full time while you're in NP school, I would, I would agree and, and strive to work part time if possible. What would you say, like, do you think that that was the most challenging thing about school or was there something else that you feel like was more challenging than the time management and the balance of getting it all done? The most challenging thing definitely was the balance. Um, I am married, and so um, I don't have children, which I consider a very fortunate thing, just because I don't think that I've been able to master managing all of that at once. That's definitely not something that I am willing to sacrifice my mental health for uh, at this point in my life. So I think that that, but one, just finding balance to spend time with um, my partner was really hard. I think that um, because, I mean, like I said, I was in, if I wasn't at work, I was in school. And and if I wasn't at work or at school, I was sleeping. Just right. <laughs> precious, precious time to sleep. And so I had to take tests on days I worked. And I studied while I was work when I had opportunities to do that. If I weren't doing something, if I weren't seeing a patient in clinical, I was reading, I was studying. So it spent a lot of time trying to do the things that kind of do multiple things, like multitask, just because. That allowed me to be able to, you know, come home on Thursdays and spend time with my partner and go out to eat and hang out and do a little bit of leisure stuff in the inner, mm -hmm. you know, in all of the abundance of things that I had else to do. I also drove three and a half hours. So anytime that I could listen to like a recorded lecture, <laughs> that was really great. That really helped me. Um, I'm not much of an audiobook person, so that didn't really benefit me. But anytime that I could listen to a lecture, especially during my PEDS course, I would listen to those on the drive up to the clinical. And I did stay uh, local. So I wasn't driving three and a half hours to and from clinical. I would just drive there and stay for the two nights and three days. And so that gave me more time to, to study so that I could kind of balance that. Uh, but like you said, it's a time management thing. Um, I became an expert at time management over the last 
couple of years. Um, and I like to be busy, so that helps. Um, if you're not somebody who likes to be busy, definitely, again, would reiterate to work part-time or PR if you can. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, that kind of helps. And, you know, I think in addition to the time management, the most difficult thing was shifting my frame of mind from a bedside nurse who relies on other people to make clinical decisions. And we, you know, as a bedside nurse, you make clinical decisions, of course. But where I worked, a lot of it just it went to the provider, um, whoever that may be, whether it's an advanced practice provider or the physician. So just switching my frame of thinking from the, oh, somebody else is going to handle that eventually to, no, you've got to handle that. So that kind of um, thing was also a little challenging for me. But overall, it was mostly the just the time, time management, balancing life and work and school, making sure that I was successful in my endeavors either way. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, that's obviously something that will probably continue throughout life. I feel like a lot of people struggle with that, you know, especially new grad NPs who are starting their first job. And especially if you, you know, end up having any either work that needs to be completed from home or if there's additional reading or things that you need to keep up on as you assimilate into a new role and a new position, you know, that's definitely something that you'll be able to learn from yourself, learn from your good time management behaviors as you kind of navigate the the role transition, because you certainly want to make sure that you're prioritizing time for yourself and kind of your like lifestyle priorities so that you can enjoy your time away from work as well as your time at work for sure. So tell me a little bit about when you had a good idea about what you wanted to do after graduation. Was this something that you knew before you even started your NP program? I know that, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about how you had your sights set on one kind of specific field of medicine and things shifted a little bit. So tell me kind of the inception of all that. Yeah. So right before we started our clinical portion of um, our coursework, we were told that there was an opportunity to receive a grant to complete clinicals and what they designated a rural um, setting. And so this air, this rural didn't just mean like you thought it was rural. It had to be person designated as rural. It had to have a couple of other things. Um, they also considered federally qualified health centers, I think as part of the clinical program. And so they gave you some grant money. Um, you also had to have some academic stuff, obviously a software that they allowed you that opportunity to pursue that. Um, and so I knew pretty early on, I grew up in a rural place where their access to healthcare is probably 30 minutes or more away. So I knew that um, any experience that I got in rural settings, I would probably like and just familiarity, you know, that kind of helps as you're trying to navigate a new role and learning new things. So I knew very early on that I was going to participate in that clinical opportunity. And so as I started doing that, I did all three semesters of that um, clinical courses in a um, rural um, clinical setting in underserved communities. And so I knew very early on that that was going to translate into my practice. Um, I spent a lot of time during um, my master's degree talking about um, underserved communities and social determinants of health and uh, how, uh, as a provider and as a nurse practitioner, how I can change that environment for the better and how we play those roles together. And so that's kind of where it started. And then, of course, as I got the experience and I really saw, I had a connection to that um, and I saw 
the impact that I could have on this community, I knew very early on that that was probably going to be how I continued my practice. And so as I began to kind of search for jobs and um, navigate that and talk to other people and other providers who um, were really into rural health as well, that's kind of how we got. I, I knew that that was going to be an environment that I really liked. And I will say that, you know, my, my university did push that rural clinical aspect. That was something that they advertised on their website whenever you um, went to, like, read up on their nurse practitioner program. They really wanted students who were passionate about rural health. And because the school was located in Virginia, um, my clinical opportunities were given in Virginia. And so they were really passionate about rural health in Virginia. And there are lots of grants within the community to support rural health and rural health nurse practitioners. And so I think that just translated into their program and I've just, you know, kind of got ingrained into my brain because everybody was really passionate about it where I was. And um, all of my instructors were really passionate about rural health. And so I just kind of came naturally. Uh, and I know that other students that I went to school did not have that same passion, but um, I think just growing up in that environment, it allowed me to already understand and know and expect, have an expectation of what that community was going to be like. And then of course, as I did my clinical experience, I loved it. Okay, yeah, this is definitely where I'm going to see myself for the long term. And I know, you know, from working with you that initially when you were starting your search for jobs, that was really what you were focused on in terms of finding an opportunity in rural health. So um, elaborate a little bit on kind of when you started your job search, what it really looked like and like what steps were you taking to look for and find a job and and ultimately you know we'll we'll spoil the fact that yes you did find a job and you are expected to start soon um so kind of talk us through the kind of the the start middle and end to the job search story so i probably started actually looking at jobs uh before i even started in practitioner school kind of looking at my area determining if there was an opportunity there. Um, again, I don't like to invest money into things that I'm not going to be successful and they're not going to produce results. So I kind of looked in my area. I looked in other areas as well just to see because you, you obviously hear that myth that we've all heard it that nurse practitioner students, as new graduates, you're not going to find jobs. It's market is fast oversaturated, which is just not true. And so that obviously was ingrained. So I, I knew early on that I needed to start working because, you know, as part of a lot of nursing communities that really were like, well, there's no reason to get this degree. It's a waste of your money, a waste of your time. And so I started early on, but as I progressed through my degree and was actually getting close to the end, so that end of that fall semester, I began really searching um, and applying. Um, the market here is a little bit saturated. It's not, you know, oversaturated by any means, but there are, it's competitive. And so oftentimes I was just getting, I was hearing back feedback that you're just really not close enough for us, which was fine. So I kind of stopped. Um, until mid to late January, and I got my resume redone by somebody um, who was not a healthcare professional, and it just wasn't the best resume. And um, I started applying with it, but I wasn't hearing anything back. And I kind of felt I felt like it was my resume, so obviously I contacted you, and we collaborated together and got a really great resume that I absolutely love, and I think articulates me well. And I started really applying hard for jobs, so probably in and I received a couple of interviews here and there. Um, again, just hearing feedback that you know, I just wasn't close enough, which was fine. Um, and then, unfortunately, coronavirus hit and my exam got delayed. About a month and a half, I ended up having to retake or to, to take my exam um, and reschedule it for the end of uh, May when I had originally 
plan to take it at the beginning of April. So I think really once I had a good resume that I thought articulated me well, I was confident enough to apply to jobs. And so I searched everywhere. So I was part of a couple of groups on Facebook um, for nurse practitioners and nurse practitioner students. And I reached out and kind of was like, hey, I am a student, but graduating really soon. I'm really interested in rural health. How would you recommend finding these opportunities? So one of the very many people that applied, replied, had said that there was this great website called 3Rnet, and it's the actual website, 3Rnet.org, but it's really great because it has all kinds of jobs. It's not just for nurse practitioners. It has jobs for physicians, nurse managers, um, LPNs. It pretty much covers every healthcare profession, and it's really great because you can get updates to your phone. It's really easy to navigate. Once you have a profile, um, employers, potential employers will even contact you. And so I spent a really long time on that website just learning how to navigate it, learning how to use it. And so I got a lot of interviews that way. All of them were out of state. Um, the North Carolina does have a rural health committee that kind of helps you. Um, navigate rural health opportunities. Unfortunately, a lot of those opportunities wanted um, quite a bit of experience. We have a couple of colleges here that let, you know, put out nurse practitioners. So obviously, um, we are not at a loss for them. Whereas places like South Dakota, for instance, which is just one of the places that I ended up interviewing for a position, don't have a whole lot of programs that are putting out nurse practitioners, especially in correlation to their size of their state and their population. And so I got way more responses from the Midwest than the West, but that's kind of where the majority of my interviews came from. Um, I worked with recruiters as well, which would not recommend to a new graduate. They're very aggressive and they will push not so great opportunities on you just for their own personal gain is what I kind of felt like I had experience with. Um, and then I used, you know, the, the tried and true. I used the, um, LinkedIn, which did not result in many things for me personally. It helped build connections, which helped in the end, but didn't really find opportunities for new graduates there. But I did utilize Indeed, which I had gotten a couple of interviews from there as well. And then I finally found the job that I currently took, um, I believe, from ZipRecruiter. It was posted on a few different websites, um, but every other website I had ever seen it on had said that it needed experience. And so... I never applied, but then the one time I called it on, I, I think it was ZipRecruiter, it didn't have the experience that I knew, so I was like, okay, this must not be the same job, because it never included the name, um, those types. Some of those websites, you'll notice, they don't include the um, company's name, and they keep that kind of hidden so that you don't know where you're applying to, and it, it's, you know, part of a tactic overall, I think, to put you, get you into somewhere maybe you wouldn't have applied originally, um, and so... That was ultimately where I found this job role. And so I applied and was contacted, I think, the next day. I applied at 10 p.m., um, not expecting to hear anything. And they very quickly got back in touch with me. And this was after I had graduated and passed forward. So I, at that point, I knew that really all I was waiting on was licensing. And so that was kind of how I started and how I ended up where I was. I had lots and lots of interviews, and they were not always the right fit, but just kind of knowing what I wanted. Do, I was able to reject some offers and kind of pursue and pick what felt best for me and, and what I was looking for in terms of career. So I spent a long time on it. It's like a full-time job at the point that's starting to bog me down a little bit, but um, I eventually got there um, and where I needed to be. So, you know, it was 
well worth it, but definitely took a lot of time and effort to get the job I wanted, which um, I think is important. And we've discussed in length before. That was just very important to me to have a job that doesn't make me regret getting <laughs> my degree. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that that, that can't be overstated, you know, the importance of kind of deciding what you want to be, like what's going to be aligned with you in terms of, you know, why you decided to enter this profession, what you want your professional impact to be. Um, And I unfortunately see and hear from so many new NPs who just kind of assume that they need to take whatever they could get because of the job market. And, you know, I talk ad nauseum about the myth of oversaturation and how, you know, that perpetuating that message doesn't do us any favors and it keeps us in a place of, you know, a scarcity mindset and we don't reach out and take chances. And I think that your experience is a good testament to the fact that if you decide that you're worthy of a job that you feel gives you the professional impact that you're looking for, then it will be worth it to take the time to align your strategies so that you can get that job. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of that was some of the things that I had heard from other nurse practitioners, but a lot of our conversations had led me to believe that accepting a position just because out of desperation was not going to benefit me um, in the long run. As somebody who is pursuing a terminal degree, I want to start making changes in it now and see those things that I'm learning in an advanced like in, in my doctoral program and the things that I learned in my master's program into reality and seeing those manifest and taking a job that just fit the fact that it was a job requirement was not good enough for me. And I think that the longer I kind of waited and the longer I interviewed and the more I interviewed, I knew that even if the opportunity looked good, um, there were things that really need, I really needed to know about the job before saying, okay, yeah, this is something that looks good on paper, but also is good, like in reality. And some of the jobs looked really good on paper uh, and said that they were they were healthcare advocates and policy advocates had those things that they did in reality that didn't manifest. And so I was able to really, I think when one starting early and interviewing quite a bit, it helped me ultimately narrow down my opportunities and accept the opportunity that fit me the best. Whereas if I think before our interaction even and before getting my resume redone where I didn't really have very much confidence that I would have accepted the job that was given to me first and and I know that now because I know that the first job that I offer that I received was not the best offer just because they wanted me to see a whole lot of patients and there weren't very many good uh, there wasn't a very good orientation period and there was just a lot of talk and not a lot of reality and so uh, I know that looking at that job and having myself prepared for those interviews that I was able to just really be like, okay, yeah, this isn't going to, I'm not going to be happy here. This is not going to, this is not going to help me with my overarching career goals and the strategic plan that I have set out for my three, three year, five year and two year plan. So just like, yeah, I think this is not so great for me. And then, you know, like you've said, and, you know, I've said before too, it's that this oversaturation is not a thing. And so taking a job out of desperation is not, necessarily. And I think that it's important to know that because a lot of folks will be like, well, I've been looking for a job for 12 months. And, and it's like, well, what are you doing to change that? How are you looking mm-hmm. at yourself and re- re- evaluating 
what opportunities you've missed because you're one maybe not looking in the right places or you're not optimizing yourself um, and putting yourself out there i think that's part of it too and really i think my resume helped me gain the confidence that i lack about my skills um, just because my resume before the one that i had wrote even when i had got that before we had met just did not articulate all of the effort that i had put in to getting my nurse practitioner degree um, and all of the things that I had done in my nursing career um, very well. And when I started doing that, I realized that more employers were interested in me and I felt better about it because I was getting interviews and I was getting responses. And ultimately the job that I took, I interviewed with one of the directors of behavioral health and as he was reading my professional summary and he's reading my resume, your resume literally looks like it was written for this job. And it wasn't written for that job in particular. I used the same resume after it was done for every job, but because I had applied for jobs that fit what I wanted to do professionally, obviously the resume written. And that's the, of course you want to hear that because you want them to think that you did especially tailor your resume for their, their job role. But yeah, so ultimately the job that I accepted, it was, really because I was one confident in my abilities and my skills and my resume articulated that, it articulated me. Um, so I think it's all about confidence as well in the job process. I, I got discouraged very easily, but I knew I would have moments where it was, oh man, I'm never gonna find a job. But then I would be like, okay, well, I've had interviews, I'm getting there, I've just not found the right job. Sometimes just reframing how I thought about it really helped. Yeah, definitely. You You took the words out of my mouth really, because I think that whether it's your resume that delivers this or something else, I think that confidence is the common theme here. And when I work with new graduates, whether it's new graduate nurses, new graduate NPs, this is a common theme. And, you know, yes, I help people with their resumes. Like tactically, that is the deliverable that I can help you learn how to do. But really the end result and the transformation that I want people to get to, especially as new grads, is the confidence. And sometimes that comes from being able to look at a piece of paper that really truly articulates who you are. And, you know, it just kind of reinforces that self-confidence that I feel like so many people are lacking. So whether it's your resume, whether it's, you know, what you tell yourself in your head and how you reframe potentially negative thoughts, I feel like the confidence makes all the difference because if you lack confidence, if you believe that the market is oversaturated and that you're never going to find a job, like that's one thing that's keeping your confidence at an all-time low. That's going to keep you from not feeling brave or confident enough to apply for a job that looks perfect because you assume already that it's going to be filled before you apply for it, you know, and that's all, that's all mindset. You have the power <laughs> to change your thoughts around that situation to ultimately affect your result. And I think that what you have just outlined is a really great example of that, of how, you know, you reframed how you thought about the job market and aligned your decisions strategically with what you wanted. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't have, I couldn't have asked for a, a better, a better real life example of something that I really tried to teach on a regular basis. Absolutely. And I think too, part of my lack of confidence is just being a new graduate. You know, of course, we don't really, we don't have experience on our side. So I think part of that is, you know, the lack of confidence is we don't have experience. And so part of that resume just helped build my confidence, you know, when you have real life, something that you're tangible, you know, um, 
that really helped. I have chronic anxiety too, so that just doesn't bid well for my anxiety. So, you know, I can talk to myself completely out of something and know that I'm confident for it. And I will allow my anxiety and my imposter syndrome to just be like, yeah, no, you're not. So I think the resume was something tangible that I knew that they would see before they ever spoke to me. And so it's like, well, how do I deliver me in something that I may never get to talk to this person, but at the very least, they'll see my resume and they'll see all of this work that I've manifested into my career. And so that's really important to me, um, especially since I've spent the last six years building this career. Um, so, and building up to, to the nurse practitioner degree, I think that it's really important to me for it to be something tangible. Um, and like you said, there's a variety of things. Uh, some people are more oral, so they want to be more confident in interviews. Um, that was not my forte. I had to write everything down that I wanted to talk about and ask. Otherwise, I would not ask it just because, I, you know, things like this make me uncomfortable. And and not in a bad way, but in uncomfortable. And so I knew that I needed something hard that I could see, that I could give to people, and they could be like, oh, this this defines Mariah. This is who yeah. they are. This is who they've set themselves up to be. And I think that probably is mostly why the resume works so well for me is because I'm a tangible person. And that helps bring down my anxiety and, the you know, everything else. It helps build my confidence. And because my resume articulated me as a person, I could really echo those things as people were talking in interviews. So they were mentioning questions. I could say, you know, I've done this in my experience. And so it just helped kind of clarify the, the opportunities that I had to bring, you know, the opportunities that I've had previously that I could bring forward that would make me a good candidate. And so I think, like you said, it could be a variety of things. But for me, it was just something that I could hold on to and say, okay, this has made me the most confident this is going to help me get the job. And I felt that. And I felt that to my core because that was just something that when I read it, it made me feel good about myself. It made me, I was like, man, this resume just looks and feels like who I am as a nurse practitioner and as, as a professional. So I think that that's why it worked so well for me. But, you know, I definitely think confidence is the underlying theme. And as somebody who deals with that off and on um, throughout my life, I think that having something that's going to build your confidence, whatever it is, is going to help you find your job faster. And, and if you bog yourself down with those thoughts, of, well, it's never going to work out. They will certainly bog you down. And that's just from personal experience myself is that allowing yourself to kind of take into those thoughts and get into them will prevent you from being successful in everything and not just in finding a job, but in everything. Um, but when you take ownership of, of it and say, okay, I feel like this right now, but eventually the right opportunity will come. And I think that that really will manifest itself. And, you know, of course it helps that, of course, network and benefit on the way and put things in that make it, you you better, obviously, you have the education, you have the skills, you have the other stuff, you really need the confidence to say, I want this, this is, this is who I am, here it is. If you don't want it, that's okay, somebody else will. And then just, you know, move it on. I try not to harp on, you know, why people don't pick you over other people. Yeah, yeah no, I don't think it's, it's, it can, it can be constructive sometimes, like sometimes it can be helpful to get feedback as to why you were not chosen for a particular opportunity. But I agree that dwelling on it is not going to be of any benefit, you know, getting that quick feedback if you want it and then accepting it and moving on. I think, I think that you're right is definitely the most productive and, and kind of 
least harmful to yourself way of dealing with things. Yeah. So I'm hoping that you might have some advice to those who are listening who are, you know, just a step or two behind you. Um, So maybe the advanced practice nurse who's getting ready to graduate, who has either just started the job search or is getting ready to start, what would be kind of your biggest piece of advice or biggest takeaway for them? So I ultimately accepted a position that required experience. And so something that I was very hesitant to do at the very beginning when I uh, applied, this is actually the only job that I applied for that required experience, but I would advocate for uh, you taking opportunity to pursue something, even if you don't think you're qualified for it. Now, of course, if there's certifications that you need that they're like, you need immediately, that's a little different, but the experience piece isn't always necessary. Um, And something that, you know, I knew as a nurse that that was really optimal, that you could really do that. As a nurse practitioner, again, that you you have that mindset where there's other maybe 80, 100 more nurse practitioners that are applying. And, you know, and at least, again, that's what you're told. And so you're like, well, what if they do have two to three years experience? But this job had been posted for over two months. It had been vacant. It's in a metropolitan in North Carolina. It is not It is not like a small. Originally, it was posted for a rural town in North Carolina, but it was only about an hour from um, Raleigh where I ended up taking the role on. But as I interviewed and as I got through that process, I was given opportunity to lead some projects um, as a new graduate, which is crazy to think that even without experience that I would be doing that. So I think that reframing yourself to think, okay, I can pursue this opportunity because I'm qualified and maybe they won't give it to me, but at least they'll know that I was passionate about it and that that was what I wanted. I think that that experience is Sometimes I, I understand why employers put it there, but it can deter people from not applying. Of course, now there have been some roles that I've not applied for that have said not new graduate friendly. And at that point, I just am like, okay, well, that's a wash. That's not going to benefit me because I am a new graduate. There is no way to get around me being a new graduate. But if they don't really say that they're not open to that, then I have, I would say to just go ahead and pursue that because eventually people will call you back and you'll you'll fill out roles and you'll hear back from people. And I think that's really the biggest takeaway is to not get discouraged from seeing something written in a job posting that maybe you don't have just because you don't have it doesn't mean you can't get it. If you're really passionate about it, especially, that's something I think I would recommend. I ended up with a job role that I really could not have written better for myself. So I think pursuing whatever opportunity you're passionate about is going to get you where you want to go. And it may not get you there the first or second time that you apply, but eventually you'll get there. I love that. I I think that that is absolutely great advice. And I think that people historically avoid jobs that they don't feel 100% qualified for. And I think that you really raise a great example of taking that chance and, you know, being brave and and stepping into that opportunity and putting yourself out there. And if you had not done that because you lacked the confidence or you made any assumptions about how that would turn out, you wouldn't have had this opportunity. So I think that it's a good example of kind of manifesting what you want out of a role. So thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you for being here today. I think that you've offered so many gems for future and aspiring NPs to take away. And maybe we'll do, maybe we'll do a follow-up after you are a few months in so that we can get a new perspective of 
you know, now that you are in your new position? Because you haven't started yet, correct? Yeah, I'm not. I began August 3rd. Okay. Well, maybe we'll build in some time for you to come on back and give us an update. I'm sure that everyone would love to hear that. Thank you again, Mariah, so much for being with us today. Thank you. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and making it all the way to the end. If you found today's episode helpful, would you take a minute and give me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts? It will truly help other nurses find this show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I cannot wait to connect with you again soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.